This is Shannon Ray Davis, and you are listening to Omega Man Radio. Welcome to my world, the world of the Omega Man. Join us here for the nightly marathon, broadcasting Monday through Friday, and we encourage you to report for duty. Get trained up. War of the Saints is coming. You want to be an overcomer and endure till the end. We will teach you how. We cast out devils. We command healing to the sick in Jesus' name. And we preach the full gospel of Jesus Christ to win souls for Jesus. If you'd like to support this work financially, we have a PayPal button on our website. We have GoFundMe, Zelly, even Take Bitcoin. And we thank you in advance for partnering with us. Our website is OmegaManRadio.com. One more thing before we start tonight's show. To the demons tuning in, we're coming for you, demon. No demon is safe. Hello, Brother John. Good evening to you. Good afternoon. Well, hello again. Hey, everybody. Welcome aboard. We made it to Friday. Another month almost gone. Uh, Today is Friday, February 16th, 2024. Excited to be back here with Pastor John Terrell. His home base is in Sacramento, California. You can check him out on the web at his website, eaec.org. And invite you to encourage you to invite a friend, rather, to tune in to tonight. We're just getting started. Brother John, would you like to open us up in prayer? Yes, I'd be happy to do that. My Heavenly Father, I want to thank you and praise you right now for this opportunity and that I can do the Omega Man Radio today, Father God. And I thank you right now that the equipment is holding. We have no problem today. And that, Lord, let your anointing flow. Not only me, but Father God on everyone that is listening. So that, Lord, we will be able to really learn who you are, what you want us to do, and how to do it, and to be victorious. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Welcome back, my friend, and the mic is yours. Praise the Lord. Uh, we, we are in this lesson that uh, this is actually my book number four. And uh, the subject we have here is turn in God and to turn off the devil. And uh, so today's subtitle channel is Who is Controlling You? And we're going to start by turning to, we're going to go to, um, excuse me a second here, I got my paperwork all screwed up here, for some reason, it's unbelievable, um, it is almost like I just got blinded. You take your time there. Here we go. We're going to be yeah. talking about who is controlling you today with Pastor John Terrell. Welcome aboard. Where are you tuning in from? Again, uh, please go to his site and bookmark it tonight, eaec.org. He's also doing live meetings on Sundays. We'll give you some details on that later. All right. 
it was like somebody shoveled around my papers here so the first thing I want to talk about is this open your spiritual eyes and behold the glory of God open your spiritual eyes and behold the glory of God and I'm going to read to you here from 2 Kings chapter 6 verses 8 through 17 then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants saying in such and such a place shall be my camp and the man of God sent unto the king of Israel saying beware that you pass not such a place for thither the Syrians are come down and the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of and saved himself there not once nor twice therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for the thing and he called his servants and said to them will you show me which of us is for the king of Israel and one of my servants said none my lord the king but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel he tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber let me read that verse one more time it's very good and his servant said none my lord O king but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber the prophet now simply was given word what the king of Syria was going to do and he passed it on to the king of Israel and of course the king of Syria got upset so this is what the king of Syria said go a spy where he is that I may send and fetch him or pick him up eliminate him and he was told him saying behold he is in Dothan Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots, and a great host, and they came by night that could pass the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, the host come past the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And Elisha answered, Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray you, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Open my eyes, Lord that I might see into the spirit world. We know the story as it continues here that God not only opened the eyes of Elijah's servant, he saw all the angels around them and the angels appeared to Elisha and his people as chariots of fire 
that's the best that Elijah could describe. What they were, we don't know. But we do know this, that there are flying objects, that the angels have spacecraft, if I can use that term. And they use them because they have spiritual spirit bodies. So now the servant simply realized this. I don't have to fear. Elisha then prayed. He had probably outside, probably up to 10,000 soldiers, plus the horses. I mean, there was a huge group of soldiers there. And Elisha prayed and said, God, blind these men, their officers and their men. And God blinded their eyes. And then Elisha said, do you want me to uh, help you to find your way? And they said, uh, he sure would like to do that. So he led them, the whole army of the Syrians, into the capital of Israel at this time, which was in the north. And these guys did not see anything. They did follow Elisha. And then, once they were in the middle of the square of the Israelites in their capital, lots of Israeli soldiers around, ready to kill them, Elisha said, open their eyes. And suddenly, their eyes opened and they said, wow, we are surrounded by Israeli soldiers. We are in their capital. How did we get here? They got there because their eyes were closed spiritually. God can open eyes. He can close eyes. And so what we want to do is we want to make sure that our spiritual eyes are open. I want to give an illustration on this because I think that some of you says, well, um, Pastor John, you, you're kind of a little bit high-strung and uh, you, you, you know, you're, you're too far out. Let me take you back to about 1972. The Vietnam War was just about at this very wrapping up as far as the Americans were concerned. But we were still there fighting. And in 1972, there were demonstrations in the United States, campuses, in cities, there was lots of demonstrations. We happened to be, I had a team with me, we were about 12 of us here for the United States, and uh, we were in Sweden, and uh, we had meetings in different places. And I wanted to show these young Americans, they were singers and musicians, we had a gospel band. I want to show them the capital of Sweden, Stockholm. 
So we were going from the south, going up to the north, and I said, I'm going to drive through Stockholm, and I'm going to let you see this capital. It's a beautiful capital. Lots of islands and stuff and canals. And I had not the foggiest idea that the day I was going to go through Stockholm, there was the biggest demonstration that they had against the war in Vietnam. So as I was driving in and navigating, I suddenly realized I got in on the street and I was in a crowd of hundreds and hundreds of people. I could not, I had to slow our van, we had a van, I had to slow it down. And I looked out, and there was a sign, Death to America, Stop the Vietnam War, Kill the Americans, and people's faces were ugly. And I thought to myself, I got these young teenagers here, I got my wife in the van, and outside we had California plates on, on the side it said, Jesus is coming, are you ready? European, American evangelistic crusades, we had in the front, the cross, we were a target. And we were Americans. And I said, God, I need to get out of this crowd because if they get a hold of us, if, if they turn on us, they're going to burn this van up and they're going to beat us up. They might kill us. So we started to pray, God, blind their eyes, blind their eyes. And sure enough, with hundreds and hundreds of people around, and they were even bouncing, I mean, their shoulders hit the, the side of the van. And, and we were sitting inside looking out, and they couldn't see us. I said, God, please open the street so I can get on the side street and get out of this demonstration. And sure enough, the people in front of us begin to move out. I was inching, going maybe one or two miles an hour, and I was slowly working myself through the crowd. I came up to a side street. I turned right, was able to get out. And then on the side street, and there were no more people. And then we took off, and we escaped. I have said that. We were about 14 of us in the van. We all saw it. I was not intoxicated. I was sober, cold sober. I don't drink anyway. So when I read this here about the Syrians, that God blinded them, I simply said, I believe that because I have seen that. So what I want to tell you is this. If you come in a situation where your life is a danger, you can ask Jesus to blind the eyes of the people that are hostile. And suddenly, you will become invincible. They cannot see you. Invisible. 
and they they said not going to see you, and you can walk away and disappear. That's the power we have in prayer. If you believe, you can't have any doubts. You can't have fear. None of us in the van that day had fear. We could hear the crowd screaming very loud, and they had all kind of sticks and stuff in their hands. I mean, there was a hostile crowd, and they did not see us. So let's move on here. Praise God, for every demon, there are two angels of God. God has not left believers in Christ defenseless. He has given us angels, which have been given charge over us to take care of our needs. They are constantly watching over us, ready to minister to our needs. That's you. If you're a believer, that's you. The angels of God were ready to minister to the needs of the prophet Elisha. Even if the people in the conflict did not see the angels of God, that did not hinder the angels of God from doing the work of God. The people that worked with Elisha, except his servant, did not see the angels. He had other servants with him. But that does not stop God from working. We're going to turn now, and I'm going to be looking now at, I'm going to give you example after example to try to get your unbelief out of your skull. And we're going to start in Daniel chapter 3 and picking it up in verse number 16. This is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In verse 16 it says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. He simply said, we're not even going to think about it. You're going to get an answer. If it be so, our God who we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fire furnace. He will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto you, king, that we will not serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visit was chained against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should hate the furnace one seven times more than he would to be hated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. This is a real event that took place. Then these men were bound, their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. So this was a fireplace, so to say, where they sacrificed people. And they had an opening in the top. And then they had a bottom, so there was a like a blast furnace 
where you have a lot of wood. This is not small pieces of wood, but uh, big chunks of wood. And uh, they simply heated that thing up. And, of course, the flames would go up and up through the opening on the top of the furnace. And so the people, the soldiers just took them up. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadok, Meshach, and Abednego. The soldiers that came up died of the heat. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fire furnace. Can you imagine now the heat? They fell down now through the flames. I'm going to hit the wooden fire that was burned, the logs that were burning at the bottom. Then Nebuchadnezzar said the king was astonished and rose up in haste and said unto his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king, three men. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. That was Jesus. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near the mouth of the burning fire furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, your servants, come forth, your servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth out of the midst of the fire. Now the ropes had been burned off, but they were not touched. And the princes, governor, captain, and king's counselor, being gathered together, saw his men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their heads singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servant that trusted in him. And have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, or language which speak anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, so the houses shall be made a dunghill. Because there is no other god. Because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. And the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Did that happen? Yes, it did. The sad thing is this. In American seminaries, going back 50, 60 years, in American Bible colleges, the teaching by professors and Bible teachers is this. The book of Daniel is a forgery. 
it was written by someone close to the Maccabeans that rose up against the Greek Syrian army around 300 years before Christ. And they wrote that book to encourage the Maccabean fighters that were fighting in the land of Israel. You take now a student coming in to a seminary or to a Bible college, and this is what they will teach. This is what their textbooks will say. So the book of Daniel, as far as the majority of the Christian leadership in America today, cannot be used because it is not a true story. It's a forgery by the Maccabeans. It gets worse. They also told students in seminaries and Bible colleges that the book of Revelation should not be used in our churches. And this is what, how they spin this. They simply write, this is written down, they have it in writing and they have it orally. And the story goes like this, that the Apostle John was a pastor in Ephesus toward the end of coming up close to 90 AD. And he was arrested and sentenced to the prison island of Patmos. That's a prison island in the Greek archipelago. And it does not have one tree on it. It's a barren island. So here now is the Apostle John on the island of Patmos. And he gets a revelation. He's taken up into heaven. And he's given the book of Revelation. Professors, Bible teachers, and scholars say, John wanted to communicate with a church in Ephesus. And in order for him to be able to write something that the guards would not confiscate, he wrote a book of in a code. And so the book of Revelation is a code written by John to the church in Ephesus who could then decipher what John was trying to tell them. And that is a story that just about every current pastor in America has learned at the cemeteries and the Bible colleges. What does that do? Well, that means that there is no tribulation. There's no Antichrist. There's no thousand-year kingdom. There's nothing. We're just moving into a vacuum. Because the pastors are told you can't preach out of the book of Daniel. And you cannot preach out of the book of Revelation. Just don't talk about these books. 
That's how bad it is in our American churches today. Now you got a few Baptist churches, hardcore Baptist churches, and there are a few Pentecostal churches that still haven't given up the ghost. But you take the Presbyterians, the Methodists, um, the regular people, what they call regular churches, and the Episcopalians and so on, Presbyterians, they don't have that. And even in many Christian churches that are Baptist to Pentecostals, this evil teaching has got in. So I just want to shoot that into you so you understand that I still preach out of the book of Daniel because I believe it happened. It was not written by the Maccabeans. It was written by Daniel and preserved from that time. Let's go to Daniel chapter 6. As we continue here our story on protection. And this is Daniel chapter 6. We're going to start in verse number 6. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors of the princes, the counselors, and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statue and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of the king, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now a king established a decree, signed the writing, that it be not changed according to the law of the maids of the Persians, which all does not. Wherefore King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in the chamber, by the way, in those days, there were no glass windows. Matter of fact, at the time of Jesus, there were no glass windows. They had shutters and they had curtains. So every day they would open the shutters and the windows would open. So let me read it again. He went into his house, his windows being opened in a chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knee three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Had you not signed the decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save you, O king, should be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true. I go into the Lord of me to the Persians with all does not. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regards not you, O king, nor the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sorely pleased with himself, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till going down on the sun to deliver him. 
Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, king, that the law of the maids of the Persians is that no decree, no statute that the king established may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel, cast him into the den of lions. And the king spake and said to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. The king believed. He didn't want to cast Daniel down. He realized this was a trap that these other guys had set up. But he had to put him down there. And a stone was brought to lay upon the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet. And with the signet of his lords, the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace, passed the night fasting, neither were an instrument or music brought before him, and his sleep went from before him. So he thought God's going to deliver him, but he was not sure. Then the king arose very early in the morning, went in haste unto the den of lions, and when he came to the den, he cried with lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is your God whom you serve continually able to deliver you from the lions? Then said Daniel to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocence was found in me, and also before you, O king, I have done no hurt. Daniel had been there all night. I could just see in my mind when he came down into that pit. He looked around the lines and said, Okay. Three of you lay over here. You're going to be my bed. One of you going to be on the side. You're going to be my pillow. Good night, boys. i see you in the morning. I don't think that Daniel even was awake. He just made himself right there at home and simply had a very cushy bed sleeping on those lions. How was that done? An angel. God's holy angels are real. Very real. They have a body. It's a body in the spirit world. But they also have the capacity to to go into our physical world. They can go from the spirit world to the physical world and they can make their bodies solid in the physical world. These angels, these holy angels, are powerful. They are more powerful than anything you and I can even think about. They have They can lift things. They can break things. They can do all kind of things. They are supernaturally charged. And they can literally bore a hole in a mountain by just 
hitting it with our bodies and just claw it out. They are powerful. One of these angels, these angels, had gone down to the dens of lions. They just sipped the lion's mouth shut. They couldn't open their mouth. And I'm sure the lions saw the angels because they are like flaming flames. They are very powerful. There's a light. It's like you have a bright light coming out of them. And they must have simply scared the daylight out of the lions. And they simply said, we're not going to, we're not going to mess around here. We're just going to lay here and hope that this will pass. So Daniel now walked out. Then was the king exceeding glad for him and commanded they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no man of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. Hear this, you people that are weak in face. And no man of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. This is a problem with people today. They don't have faith. They only have worry. They don't believe. Oh, this can't happen. So it's not going to go down well. Daniel believed in his God. That saved him. And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast him into the dead of lions, them, their children, their wives, and the lions had a mastery of them and broke all their bones in pieces, or ever they came at the bottom of the den. Those lions had power. And when these accusers of Daniel were cast down, those lions' mouths were open. They were hungry. And they ate those people. Not a problem. God is powerful. Let me take it up to Matthew chapter 1. That's Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to look in verse number 18. Matthew 1. And verse number 18. Matter of fact, I, what I want to do is, I want to go to Luke. Luke is, has more details. I like details. So we're going to go to the Gospel of Luke. And uh, we're going to read there from chapter 1 in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, verse number 26. In the sixth month of the angel, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph and the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. I'm going to give a little background here now. In those days... You did not date. Marriages were arranged. Marriages took place 
when children were five, six, seven years old. And so in this case here, uh, Joseph's parents had met with Mary's parents, and they had said, we, we got a boy here by the name of Joseph, and we need a wife for him. Now, Joseph probably was about four or five years old. And they said, we understand that you have a girl. Yeah, we have a girl. Her name is Mary. And we want to have these, we want to have her as the wife of our boy. So what the both parents said did was this, that the parents, Joseph's parents would look upon Mary's parents and see how they were, if they were decent people, if they had money, and if they were taking care of themselves, and Mary's parents, they were looking at Joseph and his wife, and Joseph's dad and his wife, and they would make sure that they were a decent family. And then if they said, yeah, it looks pretty good, our family would match. There was a price set because the family of the boy had to pay for the girl. And it might have been two cows, or it might have been a donkey, or whatever price. It might have been some silver coins. But that was a price. And so they paid that. Then the four parents, the children were not even present, would go to the courthouse. And they would say, uh, we have married my boy, and they have taken a girl, Mary, and... Um, uh, we have made arrangements here that they are to be married, so we want to have a marriage certificate, and we want to register this marriage. And so the clerk was said, fine, they probably charged something for it, and it was written down in the records that Joseph and Mary were not married, husband and wife, even if they only were five or six years old. After that, Joseph would go home with his parents, Mary would go home with her parents, and most of the time, the children never saw each other until the day of the wedding. There was a law in Israel that simply said this, that if a woman has been married as a child, and when she becomes a teenager before the marriage is consummated, she commits adultery or fornication if she gets pregnant, there was a death penalty. There was a death penalty. And there was no buts or ifs. Uh, the elders of the city would just take, go and get that woman, take her outside, and they would stone her and kill her on the spot. Having that knowledge now, understanding this, here comes this angel, Gabriel, to Mary, who probably was maybe 15, 16, 17 years old. She was not very old. And so let's just read this. And the angel came into her and said, Hail, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled, as he's saying, cast in her mind what manner of salutation there should be. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, 
we have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb, bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, shall be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God shall give him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary to the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? How can I be? I never had any sex. I haven't been with Joseph. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth, she's also conceived a son in the old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the hand of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, I went to seminary in 1969. I was there to 1973. And at that time, the, the uh, medical science were not where it is today. And I remember professors at the seminar saying, ah, we don't believe in, in the virgin birth. That's hogwash. It's impossible. Mary simply got pregnant by Joseph, and they made it up so that it makes a nice story. That was taught at seminaries back in the 60s and 70s. Well, a little bit later, in the 80s and 90s, the uh, medical profession had come to the place where they were able to be skillful enough that they could go into a woman's vagina, pick out an egg, take it outside, put in a solution, take a sperm of a man, put that in the solution, and you now had conception, the egg was fertilized. They then would take the egg, put it back into the woman's womb, and it will now go up on the wall, the placenta will develop, and women today that are lesbians, or I would call them homosexuals, they want children, that's how they have children, by this type of being fertilized, or in, in it's called in vitro or something like that, I can't know the words, I'm stumbling on that. But anyway, that's not a big deal today. That happens all the time. We did not know that in the 60s and early 70s, but I believed that what the Bible said was true. I believed that the Holy Ghost had made her pregnant. 
today, professors will simply, in the seminars, they have to really back off and say, you know, uh, a problem that there was some kind of a conception here, a divine conception, because we know that what men can do today. So anyway, Mary got pregnant. Put yourself now in the in Mary's life. Here she is, let's say 17 years old. She is legally married to Joseph, but the wedding has not taken place yet. She had not been consummated. And she is pregnant. How in the world does a 17-year-old girl go to her husband to be? And he is a husband. And say, look, Joseph, last night an angel came to me. And, you know, he made, he simply said, I'm going to get pregnant. And the Holy Ghost came down upon me. And sure enough, man, I got pregnant. Would you believe that, Joseph? And I can just see Joseph's eyes, you know, big like saucer, teacup saucers. And he said, Sure, Mary, that's a nice story. Now, let me take it to Matthew chapter 1 here. This is the story here of Joseph now. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise, this wise. When has his mother Mary was spouse to Joseph before they came together, she was found a child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example. He didn't want marriage to be executed. He was minded to put her away privately. He was simply saying, okay, I guess she got pregnant. We're going to put her away privately. I don't want her killed, and I will save her life, and then i got to find another wife. So that was his thinking. But while he thought on the things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, you son of David, fear not to take unto you Mary, your wife, for that which I can see, which is conceived in her, is of the Holy Ghost. An angel again showed up and said, Joseph, you, Mary, is not making a story. She has not fornicated. She's pregnant by the Holy Ghost. She's going to carry the Messiah. So Joseph heard that. You read the rest of the chapter. And he simply had Mary move it with him home. And he simply took her. He did not have any sex with her, the Bible says, until after she had given birth to Jesus, and then Mary had five or six more children. She had sons, and she had daughters. Two of her sons, one name was James. He wrote the book of James. He's a half-brother to Jesus. And the other brother's name was Jude, and he was also more part of the church. He wrote the epistle of, the, of Jude. Jude. So, let me wrap this up here today because I've realized that um, I am not going to be able to completely finish this. So I want to go to Matthew chapter 4. 
because I, I really want to lay a strong foundation that you simply will realize angels are real and they are here for me. In Matthew chapter 4, we simply had Jesus was tempted by the devil and he tempted him three times. And after the temptation, it says in verse 11, then the devil leaves him and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And he had been tempted now. And the Bible says he was hungry. Here came the angels, and I'm sure that they had brought with them some nice hot soup, some nice cold water, some nice freshly baked bread, and simply served Jesus in where he had come back in the wilderness. And so angels do care, they do have power, and they do take care of us. We're going to look at one more thing here today, and that's in the book of Acts. So I'm going to take you now to the book of Acts. We're going to go to chapter 5. We're going to read verses 17 to 21. So 5... 17 through 21. Then the high priest rose up, and all that were with him, which is of the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. Why? Because Peter and John had laid hands on people, and they had been healed. And the Jewish leadership could not accept this. And they laid hands on them, by the apostles, and put them in a common prison. Here now is John and Peter put to the prison. They are probably bound in, in stocks, tied up, and they're going to do something bad with them the next time. So what happened? Well, during the night, or the night, the angel of the Lord by night opened the prisoners and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the priest, the high priest came and they that were with him and called the council together and all the senate and the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found not in prison, they returned and told, saying the prison truly found was be shut with all safety. The keeper standing without before the doors. When we opened, we found no man within. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them warranted this would grow. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. 
there's a couple of other things that will come back here next week because I'm going to be talking more about angels. But I want this part of the lesson as simple as this, as I give a summarizing. There's a lot of things happening in the world. We just had another shooting incident that happened in Kansas City. And uh, every day there's crime in America and people are killed and people are hijacked and people are breaking in and so on. Is there any safety for a believer? And the answer is yes. God's angels are still here on this earth. They have not retired. They have been here since Jesus for 2,000 years. Angels do not get old. They are just as vibrant as they were 2,000 years ago, as they were when Adam and Eve were created. They are just as vibrant. Angels do not get old. They do not age. And they're still here. And you notice now the theme in this have faith in God. Get rid of W O R R Y. Worry, worry, worry. That word should not be in your vocabulary. You should simply say this. I am a child of the king. I am born again. Washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I have angels all around me. The Holy Spirit is within me. I can call on Jesus. Now, you cannot call on angels. Remember that. You cannot say, okay, my angels, will you do that? No. They don't listen to you. You have to go to the Father in the name of Jesus and ask that he will activate angels to help you out whatever the need is. Angels will not listen to us. Don't try to talk to them. They simply would ignore you. They would just look at you and say nothing and they will not move. But when you talk to the Father in the name of Jesus, and the Father says to his angels, I want you to take care of this this woman over here. We got this man in, in a car wreck. We want him to take him out. Those angels say, yes, sir. And they're there right on the spot with all their power, skill, and energy, and they will take care of you. Well, that's as far as we're going to go today. I'm going to come back here next week, the Lord willing. My computer did not break down and all that good stuff. So, you might say, okay, where are you located? I am located in a city, not a city, but it's a place called Sheridan, which is just outside Sacramento in California. We are in in the middle of California. We are out in the countryside. We are a country church. And every Sunday we have a service. We start at 9 o'clock. And if you live in the greater Sacramento area, we would love to have you come to church. And uh, if you like a country church, how simple, 
uh, nice music, uh, I will be preaching, then this is a place for you. We also cast out demons when they needed to be. We do deliverances. We also pray for the sick. And we believe in everything in the book of Acts, we believe is taking place today. So you can come to us, you go to our website, and uh, contact us and say, I'd like to come to church. We will call you. We will let you know exactly where we are located. I don't give the information out over in the air. But if you call us, we will give it to you. And the reason for that is there are people that don't like us that are listening, and we do not necessarily want them to come to church unless the Holy Ghost bring them and they are ready to repent. Now, if you live outside California and you says, well, I can't come, but I would like to, well, we got the next best, best thing for you. We have a webcast. So we webcast start at 8.30. This is Pacific Standard Time. We have music, 30 minutes. Then we have prayer time, 30 minutes. And then I will preach for about an hour. And that's our Sunday morning worship. You find that on our website, eaec.org. That's eaec.org, European American Evangelistic Crusades. And uh, it would say weekly webcast, click on that, take another page, click on that, that you are in. If you want to hear what I spoke last Sunday, you are blessed. You can do that right after we finish up here. You can go to our website, eaec.org, go to our web web page cast, click on it, and you will hear the music, the prayer, and my sermon from last week. If you only want to hear the sermon, move the cursor on the bottom to come to where I'm preaching. So this is available to you. And I hope that you will take advantage of it. We have a lot of material on our website that is free. You can download it. So just help yourself. Let's talk about money now. It takes money to move things around in the world. And Shannon Davis is the host, is the uh, person that started Omega Man Radio. He lives in Indonesia, he's married, nice wife, three wonderful children. They only got one problem, his wife and children, they had to eat. They like to eat at least one time a day. And uh, they also like to have a house to live in. And uh, they did a few things. So that cost money. If you want Shannon Davis to come to you continually and Omega Man Radio, then go to his website, Omega Man Radio website. He has a donation. He has several different ways to give money. So you cannot say, well, I can't give that way. There are many different ways. And somebody says, I'm going to put in a nice gift today because I like Omega Man Radio. I want him to stay on the air, and I want it to keep coming. If you don't do that, one day he might not be here because it takes money. And remember this, his wife and children, they love to eat. Back to you, Shannon. My friend, thank you very much for coming on today. This was a uh, powerful word. Who is controlling you? And uh, we will upload this here momentarily. I encourage you to share it with a friend. Brother John, we love you. And uh, folks, tune in every week, same time, 4 Pacific 7 Eastern on Fridays for more. We'll see you next time, Brother John.
God bless you. I love you, too. Love you, too. Have a good weekend. Yes, I do. Okay, let's uh, save this, and we're going to reset. <laughs> 